is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to Be You Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Hey, it's Jill. So last week, I promised you that something that I thought was going to be the entire focus of our conversation last week, which ended up being just a sliver of the conversation, I promised you that I would circle back to that and expand on that this week. So that's what I'm doing. So as a reminder, or if you didn't hear the conversation last week, I shared that I was speaking to someone who's, I would say an acquaintance who I definitely am friendly with and would consider a friend if we spent more time together. We've only met a few times. We feel very connected, I think. And she listens to BU. And we were texting because something had come up on one of the episodes and she was asking for a little bit of advice on it. And it pertained to her physical health. So it was one of the episodes from January. And while we were talking about that, she shared that she had been really struggling with a health issue. And she said, I'll literally try anything. Like I'm at the point where I will try anything. So I mentioned to you last week that we talked about gifts being a blessing and a curse. That's one way of saying it. We also talked about the idea that you and I have parts of us or aspects of us that we tend to want to hide or shame or judge. And we feel like they shouldn't be who we are. We shouldn't be that way. For example, I'm a perfectionist or I'm a procrastinator or I overthink. I tend to always research things. I get so in my head when I go to try something new, et cetera. Well, when I was speaking to this person, I didn't really give you much detail last week. So here we go. When I was speaking to her over text and she was saying, and voice memos back and forth, I'll try anything with regard to, you know, solving this issue I'm having with my health. And so I suggested a book, which I've mentioned to you before. I think it might've been year one of this podcast called All Is Well by Louise Hay. And then it's also co-written by, I can't remember her name, but she's an MD, PhD. And that book can be really out there for some people. Like I first read, looked at it, and I was like, okay, hold on a minute. Like I'm pretty open, but the registered nurse in me is like, really? You really think my big toe pain is associated with, you know, that emotion? So it definitely challenged me. I absolutely think that disease is dis-ease in the body. And I absolutely do think everything is comes back to energy and emotion is energy and motion, et cetera. And I think that for me, I believe that 
whenever we do have a physical ailment, we can trace it back to energy that wants to move, energy that wants to be released, pain that's never been felt, et cetera. Well, so when I was communicating with this lovely, amazing woman, and she said she would try anything, I suggested the book. She's like, I already have it. I heard you mention it a year ago, two years ago. I was like, okay, there's something else. And I suggested my secret weapon I've told you about many times, Violet, the spirit healer. Violet, the spirit healer, is someone I have been working with for about 10 years. And not everyone is open to working with her and not everyone should work with her. And yet I felt called to share her name with this person. And she said, well, what does she do? I said, I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to put a label on her or give her a title because she doesn't give herself a title really. I don't know what to say. Why don't I just give you her number? You can reach out. And if it resonates, great. If it doesn't, I'm not attached whatsoever. I just felt called to share this with you. And she asked me a few more questions. Then she ended up having a call with her. And then she still had more questions for me. And I just said again, I, I don't know what how to I don't know what to say. Like it works for me. I love her. I feel safe with her. She's a gift to my family, such a blessing. But this is about you. You've got to trust your own intuition. How do you feel about this? So she said she was going to discuss it with her husband. And I said, I have a question. Are you discussing with him because you feel you need permission? Or because something just doesn't feel right to you about this. What is your heart telling you? And that's when she judged herself. She's like, I don't know. I just over-research things. I, I tend to overthink things. She also shared that she has trouble spending money on herself. And I said, having trouble spending money on yourself is something to look into. And having trouble justifying spending money on yourself when you've been in severe chronic pain and suffering is nothing to judge yourself for. Yet it's definitely something to look into as well. If you're always someone who researches and quote, overthinks, remember, that's a gift. And it also can be a trauma response. There's so many layers to this. I'm sending you love. Then I went on to talk to her about what I want to talk with you about. For some of you, this is not new at all. Some of you are coaches and therapists and this is what you do. And it's still worth talking about again. For some of you, you've been listening for three years or you listen to other people and you're in your own practice working through this and on this with yourself. And for some of you, this is new to you. You're really early in your journey or this might be the first time you've heard this concept. So what I went on to share with her was one, and I'll repeat it, that whatever we feel is a flaw in us is also a superpower right? It's like a double-edged sword. It served us at one point in our life because it came from a protective part, a part of us that was attempting to keep us safe when we were little. And that's also exactly what can end up holding us back when we are an adult. And what I mean by keeping us safe is that our nervous system, the job is to keep us Safe. I mean, like literally safe. Like, are we being chased by a tiger? Are, you know, do we need to jump into fight or flight? Like, that's the job. Our brain's always on the lookout for what is there? Is there a perceived threat? Do I need to kick things into high gear? What do I need to do? What needs to happen here? The interesting part, the fascinating part is that our brain will perceive anything that is unfamiliar as a threat, as unsafe. 
So let's use this friend for an example. For whatever reason, when she was a child, she got into the mode of overanalyzing, overthinking, second-guessing herself, questioning her gut, questioning her intuition, or feeling like she needs permission to make a decision, and she goes into overwhelm. That can appear to that person or even to people maybe around her to be just that. She overthinks, she overanalyzes, she doesn't make a decision, it's hard for her to actually take the leap, et cetera. But what if we flipped it and looked at it in a different way? What if we looked at it in the way that I was explaining to her? And that is that if you judge that part of you, you're just like making the whole issue bigger. You're making the problem, if there is a problem, worse. You're, so to speak, trying to heal the wound with the same knife that cut you. There can be no shame and no judgment in this conversation. What if you looked at this pattern, this protective pattern, this behavior pattern, the way you tend to show up and be in the world that you judge yourself so much for? What if you looked at that as simply a response that was created when you were a kid? You may not remember why. You probably don't remember why. That served you and served you well when you were small. And it's just that now you're an adult and you don't need that part to be in the driver's seat anymore. So a good question is not, what is wrong with me? But what happened in my life that caused me to show up this way? There's nothing wrong with you. I also told her, and I mentioned this last week to you, that being a quote overthinker and a researcher, right, it gets in the way, doesn't it? But I'll tell you what, there are going to be times where I wish I were a researcher and an overthinker. That is also your secret sauce. That is also one of your beautiful gifts. So as soon as you start looking at it from that perspective, it's like you can exhale. And as soon as you can exhale, you can start seeing more clearly. Suddenly, even the particular topic you're looking at looks more clear to you. It's like at first you're looking through water that's murky. And then when you take away the shame and the judgment of how you're handling this situation, you look back down at the water and it's crystal clear. And you can see very clearly that you just need to reach into the water and grab whatever it is. Let's say it's a key to go unlock the problem. But you're never going to see it if you're looking through the lens of shame and judgment and not good enough. And why am I like this? And I always do this. So we can get into the mode of questioning this with so much detail that we also can't really see right in front of us, can't see the forest through the trees, so to speak. What I mean by that is you could be listening to this and saying, hold on a minute. How is it that her overanalyzing and researching, like, what do you mean it was keeping her safe? What, honestly, it doesn't even really matter. The details don't matter right now. Let's look at safety for a minute. So if thinking about our brain trying to keep us physically safe makes it confusing when we're talking about perceived safety and what's familiar and what's not familiar. Let's look at it like this. When you and I were little, all of us, we were watching our parents and we were observing very carefully what would get us love and what would not get us love. Because the most important thing to us as human babies is our attachment, our attachment to our parent, our caregiver, okay? And let's give an example of something happens 
and we're either throwing a tantrum and crying or we're laughing really loud and being silly and jumping around and trying to be funny or something like that. And our caregiver, our parent, our primary person, birth or adopted, doesn't matter, says to us anything negative. Don't be like that. Shh, stop crying. Here, here's a cookie or here's a pacifier. Shh, shh. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Shh, shh, shh. Listen, big girls don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Don't be such a baby. You're going to upset somebody. Stop. Why are you acting like that? It's not funny. You don't act like that. You don't need to do that for attention. I could give you 25 examples. Whatever's happening, the message to the child is do not be yourself. If being yourself is processing emotions, being angry, throwing a temper tantrum, needing to process, you know, through crying, through stomping, et cetera, or it's just running around being silly and funny and, and whatever, or maybe it's the way we dress and we want to fully express ourselves, or we make a pretty picture and our parent says something negative about it. Either way, the message to the child is don't be you. It's not safe to be you because I don't like that. And the message to me as the child who needs the attachment to the parent, I need, like biologically in my body, I'm wired to need the attachment to that parent. So what I will do is I will self-abandon to make sure I don't lose that attachment, i.e. their love. So I'm not gonna scream and cry. I'm not gonna throw a tantrum. I am not going to dance and sing and be loud and be silly. I'm not going to color like that. I'm not gonna walk like that. I'm not going to be like that because it causes like an interruption, interference, static, record scratch between that channel of love between my caretaker, my mommy, my daddy, and me. This is all in the subconscious. So even if we need to cry and we need to process and we need to be ourselves and it's important to us and, and we it's it makes sense that we would be crying and screaming if we didn't get a cookie or someone stepped on our toe or whatever, we will stuff it down and we will be quiet and we will fall in line and we will be a good girl or a good boy no matter what that looks like, in order to not disturb that loving bond and connection and that source of attachment through that parent. This is where the whole shit starts, where we stop being ourselves. We abandon ourselves for that parent and that manifests into an adult abandoning herself and her what she wants and she physically needs because she's physically in pain because it doesn't feel familiar. Working with Violet, the spirit healer, she's drawn to that. Now, if she's not drawn to it, that's a different story, then don't do it. But she's drawn to it. She's curious. It looks good, but it feels safer to question myself. It feels safer to ask permission. It feels safer to ask someone else's opinion. It feels safer to research it more. It feels safer to keep and I'm not picking on you. I know if you're listening, just know that this is now manifesting into just a general example. There's something called an asshole. Have you heard of that? Don't be an asshole, they say. An asshole is someone who just keeps asking questions over and over and over and over and over. And either they get a solution and they reject it, or they get a solution that would work and they ignore it. They pretend not to hear it and they just keep asking questions because what? They're attached to the asking. 
Now, what I'm going to add to that is my, what I believe is that, that that's like a comfort measure that's comforting their nervous system. And that feels safer than to take the leap, to jump, to move forward, to do the thing, to dress that way, to be themselves, to ask the question, to laugh out loud, to be silly, to scream and cry when they want to and they need to, to show even just tears when they're coming, whatever it is. And so they get stuck in this loop. And for this person, the loop is indecision, hesitation. At the same time, remember, there's nothing wrong with it. There's a reason this person is this way. She may not remember, but something in her childhood caused her to show up this way. And it's not a flaw. It's not, a, it's not something that is wrong with her. And it's not something that needs improvement. It's something that needs love. It's something that needs what they, that person didn't get when they were a child. The opposite of what they got when they were a child, whether they remember or not. Remember, it doesn't mean they had bad parents. It doesn't mean they had a horrible childhood. It doesn't mean there was something super traumatic. It doesn't mean that the, the parent said, you can't be yourself. What if the child just perceived it that way? Your experience is your reality, right? For whatever reason, this woman, when she was a child at some point, experienced the story of, I don't know if I have the answer, I need to research, I need to overthink, etc. But remember, if we judge that, we're just digging ourselves in deeper. If we liberate ourselves and say, oh, there I go again. That's just some sort of protective part from when I was a kid. I don't remember any of it, but clearly I needed to do it when I was little. But I'm free now. I don't need to do that. It's going to be uncomfortable to not be that way because why? My brain wants me to be safe and what's safe is what is perceived as familiar. Anything that's unfamiliar, like doing something that's different than my norm, is going to feel like a threat. It's not really a threat. It's just going to feel like a threat. Why? Because my system that's trying to keep me safe is smart. And it's sounding off alarm bells because it looks like it's something that might not be safe. That's all. That's it. And then you can just (sighs) exhale. The water becomes clear. You see what you need. You reach in the water. You grab it. Done. This came up again in a conversation with a different friend. I was just at coffee with another friend who listens to the show as well. She's brilliant. She's creative. Both of these friends are brilliant and creative. This, this woman I'm referring to is someone who's done a lot of inner work, a lot of inner work, a lot of spiritual work. And she was talking about how she stops herself when it comes to this new business she wants to launch. She just keeps stopping herself. And what we realized in the conversation was that it was no different than the conversation with my other friend. It's no different than the conversation I was having with myself about exercise, which I talked about last week with you. It's always the same conversation. Just looks a little different, but it's always the same. It always comes back to what? Always comes back to childhood, first of all. Always comes back to the subconscious. Always comes back to the nervous system. Always comes back to what is perceived as safe or unsafe. So in having the conversation with this friend, just a few days ago having coffee. We were talking about all the ways she can help people with her business and that she wants to help people with her business and all the ways she wants to earn money and support herself and all the ideas she has. 
but it, she's always working on her website. She's always working on like I'm making new business cards and making my website, which those things are not going to grow her practice and her business. They're just like, I'm just going to say they're fluff. They're just like unnecessary fluff. It's like instead of baking the cake, she's she's working on the sprinkles. But I keep working on the sprinkles and I'm working on the sprinkles. But people need the cake. And the cake's what's going to feed you and feed others. But the cake feels like a threat. The sprinkles feel safe. So I said, what does this remind you of? It's a great question to ask yourself. What does this feeling remind you of? When have you ever felt this way before? And she said that it feels to her like overwhelm. As soon as she starts thinking about actually putting herself out there and doing the things other than the sprinkles, actually baking the cake, let's say in this example, she feels overwhelmed. And after a little bit longer with some questions, what she realized is that her fear was really not of failure, but of success. Because to her, success would look like her losing the slow life that she loves, the slow-paced life that she loves, spending time with her granddaughter and her kids and doing yoga and just her hobbies and the stuff she loves to do. Because it feels like if she opens herself up and actually markets this business and does all the things I was suggesting to her in the conversation that make total sense, this business could grow very quickly. Instead of looking at the success of that, the first thing is that her body wants to keep her safe. That's too much. You're stepping out too far. Because if you get too big, what's going to happen is everybody's going to want a piece of you and everybody will want your attention and you will have nothing left for yourself. So let's go back to, again, the same sort of bones of this. What she's experiencing is not wrong. It's not flawed. It shouldn't be judged. She just gets to look at it and go, this is so interesting. Every time I start to do this and get past the sprinkles and start to bake the cake, I stop myself. I upper limit, as Gay Hendricks says in The Big Leap. I retreat. I contract. I stay small. Isn't it interesting that my body, my nervous system, my brain are just trying to protect me? They're just trying to keep me safe. When maybe in my childhood did I feel like I couldn't be too big? Or maybe when in my childhood did I have a story created where I felt like my boundaries would be violated? I wouldn't be in charge of my life. I wouldn't be in charge of my schedule. I wouldn't be in charge of what I do or don't do. I also offered the idea to just sort of try on for size. What if you were able to see it from a place of, isn't that interesting? And I'm always going to be in charge. I'm the CEO of my life. I'm the director of my theater. Why don't I first build the fence and then put myself out there? I'm going to build a fence around myself of protection, not just energetically, but literally make a list like I'm never working on Mondays. I'm never working past 7 p.m., 4 p.m., whatever it is. I will always be free on Friday afternoons for my grandchild. I will host an event or a retreat, whatever it is. And I don't have to have the next one lined up, even though marketing people would say that's brilliant to have the next one lined up. What if I just say, you know what? You can get on the VIP list for the next one. 
and then I breathe, I enjoy my life, and I roll with the next one when it feels good. And I watched her whole body relax when I said that. Like, ah. Not only have I taken away the shame and stopped judging myself for continuing to do this. With the first example, it was overthinking and researching too much. With this person, it's overthinking, you know, limiting stories, making up a story that it's going to be this way or that way, focusing on the details and the minutiae to sort of stay busy, pretending that we're really moving forward when we're not. And all of it's okay. All of it's glorious. It's just a protective pattern. That's it. Removing all the judgment, exhaling. And then with this person, writing out the boundaries of how it will be and then going into launch mode. And that's when the murky water clears up and you see the treasure at the bottom, the key, whatever it is. So when you start going into a pattern, There I go again, procrastinating. I'm always procrastinating. Here I go again. This is one of mine. I've fallen back into the loop of running late. I was doing so great for so long and now I've fallen back into it and I started shaming myself. Here I go again, once again, running late, keeping someone waiting 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Why do I do that? Anytime you are judging yourself for the way you are being, you're just creating more of being that way. It's like you've got an open wound And you're just taking poison or taking a knife and just irritating it even more instead of putting this loving, calm, soothing salve on it. The loving, calm, soothing salve is, it's okay. I know what this is. I don't even know. need to know where it came from. I love all parts of myself. Just trying to keep myself safe. Let me just breathe. Let me remind myself of what's true and what's not true. When you start showing up in a way, there's a pattern that shows up, a behavior that shows up for you. And that's something that you you normally judge yourself for. You criticize yourself for internally or even out loud in front of people. Remember this conversation. If you want more of it, keep judging yourself. You're just creating more of it. If you really want it to stop, remove the judgment, breathe, remind yourself that it's simply your nervous system trying to keep you safe. As crazy as it may sound, running late is a pattern that reminds you of something that feels safe and familiar. And you can interrupt that pattern once you just recognize that that's all it is. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's going to happen in the matter of a minute. But the more you practice this, the better you get at it. And you will start noticing that you'll do it less and less. This is why I love, and I always encourage people, um, life coaching. I encourage people to have a coach because it's so great to share these conversations with someone who's neutral, who can see it from the outside. We can never see our own blind spots. That's why they're called blind spots. (laughs) Just like I couldn't see my big blind spot within my blind spot that I talked about last week with exercise. I've known for a long time, and I've been talking to you for three years about how our body perceives anything that is too soon, too much, too fast, too often as trauma. So the solution cannot be too much, too soon, too fast, too often, because that's going to feel traumatic. I've known that. I've talked about this with you. I've coached people with that. But I somehow, my blind spot within my blind spot, under my blind spot, did not see that that also applies to me with exercise. Duh. I didn't see it. Didn't see it. 
truly was blind to it until I did. And now I can't unsee it. I cannot unsee it. My way of looking at exercise was traumatic. I was trying to do too much, too soon, too fast, too big, too often, trying to get big results and judging the hell out of myself every second of the way. Doesn't that just feel traumatic to you? Oh, God. I wondered why I was stuck in a loop. I tried the salve instead of the knife or the poison. And guess what? It worked. So I'm not asking if you ever show up this way. I know you do. There's something you're thinking of right now that's just like a thing that you do. Overthinking, you know, avoiding, procrastinating, whatever it is. Hiding, giving someone the silent treatment. It could just be anything. But a way of being that you're either not proud of or you wish you could change, you judge, you criticize, you don't want people to know about it. Thinking about it this way and approaching it this way is super helpful. And anytime you're going to go beyond your norm, out of your comfort zone, to or beyond your edges, challenging your paradigm that you've created, this is the way things are, that's your paradigm. This is the way things are when it comes to money, religion, sex, health, me, my family, my mother, my kids. This is the way it is. That's your paradigm. Anything that challenges that paradigm that you have actually created, remember you're the director of your own theater. You're the one in charge of that. Anything that challenges those sort of rules is going to scare the shit out of your nervous system. So with the one friend, it was just considering going to a spirit healer when that's something she's never done and she's a woman of Christian faith, et cetera wants to, but ooh, also for her spending money on herself, spending money on herself, which isn't a little bit of money, a couple hundred bucks and making a quick decision. All of that is just way out of her comfort zone. The other friend actually putting herself out there and telling the world about her business and actually putting something together and getting it out there and just doing it messy, not doing it perfect, not having all the sprinkles, the whipped cream and cherry, but just baking the damn cake and getting it out there way beyond her comfort zone, way out of her norm. Where are you focusing on the details, the sprinkles, the overthinking, the over-researching, the getting ready to get ready, the perfect over good? Where are you playing small, limiting yourself, hiding, asking a million questions and being an asshole, not moving forward, getting the opinions of everybody else? staying in bondage, where are you doing that? Just observe, shine a big light of love on it. Thank it for being there. For some reason, you needed it when you were a child. You just don't need it now. Exhale and look down that water and see what you see. What do you see? Maybe you don't see the keys. Maybe you don't see the treasure. But maybe you see your own reflection. You're not a child anymore. You don't need to be protected. You've got you and God's got you. And it's all happening for you. Bake the cake. Take the leap. It's all going to work out even if it doesn't. Because the not working out is the way it's supposed to work out. All right. Love you. Sending you a big hug. If this episode or any other episode is helpful to you, it would mean the world to me if you would share it. 
This is the only way this podcast grows. I'm not in a podcast network. Don't do advertising. Don't have a big social media following. I'm not on other podcasts. That's usually how people really grow their shows. So please share this with others. Tell people about it. Text them an episode. Be so grateful for you to leave a rating and a review. You can only do that on Apple for some reason. But either way, thanks for being here. And I can't wait to chat with you again. Oh, the next couple of weeks, we've got something great. I've got an astrologer coming. I knew nothing about astrology. I didn't want to know about astrology until I did. (laughs) And now I'm like, holy moly, this is fascinating. So the next couple of episodes are going to be with Rachel Ruth Tate on astrology. And um, I'll be chatting with you privately in a solo episode after that. Don't forget to breathe, love yourself, and surrender. Surrender.